from high atop 1926 Hollywood Boulevard. You're listening to SoFloRadio.com. Every two or three days, he would do something to make you just kind of scratch your head and say, man, I don't know if I saw that right, you know. He was the first superhero of my generation. Something mythical about everything that he did. It was like a, you know, a rocket ship that was fired out of a cannon. He was excitement incarnate. He was untouchable. All we saw was a man doing things that we had no idea were humanly possible. Tony made it really known that, hey man, I'm going to be number one and that's it. Tony was Mick Jagger. He was the radical. He was the front man. He was printing. He was doing the show. Tony had a real strong personality. And when you hung around Tony, you were pretty much hanging around the Tony show. Tony was probably the first person who taught me what the word ego meant. We all had big egos, but Tony's was bigger than all of ours put together. If a person has a big ego, they better be able to back it. And like Tony, could back his ego. Don't achieve those levels of, of your art unless you do have an ego. The things he did were so incredible and so unbelievable that people want to talk about them. People want to keep that stuff alive. There was always the idea that potentially he could do something that would be completely unbelievable and he didn't even have to necessarily do these things for people to assume that they were true the family essentially is a community of everybody doing a different part everybody being different everybody you know and in a household we learn about authority right we learn about order we learn about selflessness we learn about organization we learn about competition and that's what family gives you in the background doing keep on and i am tony c in the foreground welcome to the groovathon baby yeah. excellent thank you and, uh, of course of course i'm joined yeah. live by the man over here live in the studio as always by the master of production and engineering and the man who makes sure that our groove is satiny smooth mono say hello to you take care of the foreground i'll take care of the foreskin <laughs> oh Snippity snip, baby. That was the whole thing about Abraham, man. The guy's 90-something uh, years old, yeah. and other people decided to do what he was doing. You know, did it occur to you that he might have just been senile? I'm oh, just saying. Oh, it occurred to me. <laughs> oh, he did. Of course, every Groovathon centers around an attitude of gratitude. Mucho mahalo to everybody tuning in live and downloading the show here in America and around the world, y'all. Yo, we're back, baby. Yeah, man. After three weeks, how you doing, Palomite? Had a trip there. I did, I did. A little bit rainy outside, but we were just talking about this. We're... I, the, the, I know the, you can the literally. The rain came and it was like hitting, putting, putting the the bacon pan. Dude, under the sink. last week was obscenely hot. It, okay, it didn't escape me that right after we had record high temperatures here in South Florida, so that's mm-hmm. right off the bat that we had that. That our president, for the moment, okay, basically told me that I should just kind of get used to it. Just you know, that's what he said. You yeah, know what? This yeah. whole global warming thing, forget it. Just this is the way it's going to be. Suck it up. Fairy boy, snowflake, yeah. yeah, suck it up, snowflake. It's exactly what it was. Yeah, we we were on a another three week break because I went to New York, and I'll tell you, one of the most bizarre days of my life 
was uh, April was May the 18th because I went up there because my mom was having a little, you know, a couple of tests on stuff like that. And everything went great, but the tests were done on Thursday, May 18th, and her schedule time was at noon. So at quarter to 12, I go in there and the doctor says she'll be ready to you can come back and pick her up about 1.30. No problem. Now, I'm on 54th and 12th. Beautiful day. And it's the week before Fleet Week in New York. So I'm like a five-minute walk from the Intrepid. I, All right, let's take a nice walk. I got, you know, an hour and a half to kill. So I go out there, and I'm standing out, and they're bringing in some of the other boats. They have to bring them in a little bit at a time. A friend of mine who was in the Navy told me that an aircraft carrier that's going at full speed, when you say, when you press the brakes, okay, it takes like three miles before it stops. Wow. Yeah. That seriously, like if it's going at full tilt, when you say when you hit the brake pedal, that's it takes three miles before it can come to a full stop on its own. So they have to bring these boats in. So I'm out on the pier, and it's a beautiful day. And I look up, and there are five helicopters hovering over the Hudson River. And I thought they were getting like stock footage, you know? Okay. But as it turns out, right at, at that moment, what had just happened was the guy had driven the wrong way up Broadway and run over twenty people. Now in New York. They, they snapped to it immediately, and there's a guy fishing on the pier. He's got uh, headphones on. I'm like, what the hell's going on? He goes, you didn't hear. And they did, they think it's a terrorist thing because that's the yeah. initial reaction right off the bat. Anymore, yeah. And he said, and I'm like, what's the helicopters? He goes, They're, they just closed uh, airspace over New York. Now, this is all going on while my mom's in, in the do- at the doctor right now getting tests done, so she's going to be loopy. And they have now cl- – what they do is they just close off Times Square. And I mean like that. Seriously, you want to try this shit in New York, you'll get away with it for about a second. I really, you know, the guy, as it turns out, this was a Navy veteran. Okay. And before, from the Bronx, and before he had left, everybody said he was fine. And then when he got back, he was on drugs and booze and shit. He got out of the car and and swung at a cop. So I got a feeling that boy wishes he would get now because, you know, they took him over to West Side and tuned him up a little bit on the piers, which is fine with me, with this guy. I'm a pacifist, but... You don't get to do that kind of shit. So that was a very weird day because I got home to my mom's place. She's at 58th and 7th, and they had closed 7th Avenue, 57th down to 42nd. So when I say I walk down 7th Avenue, I mean I walk right down the middle of 7th Avenue. There were no cars. Mm-hmm. And it's a strange sight to see the busy, some of the busiest roads in the world during rush hour completely closed off. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no snow. I've been there during blizzards. You know, that, you know, it happens. But this was like, and the traffic was just ungodly. So that happened. But um, lots of other stuff, uh, obviously, has been going on. Let me see. What, what do we got today? We got Trump pulls out of Paris. Anderson Cooper pulls out of Kathy Griffin. The kid Vili pulls out of Mary Kay Latorno. <laughs> okay. All of this, while uh, Cohn, Pruitt, Fox News, and a basket of deplorables all vie to be Steve Bannon's head fluffer. Oh, and you know what? There was, you know, over the weekend, it was like another march about something or other, Mm -hmm. whatever. Who the fuck cares, right? Of course, all that's going to be surrounded by two hours of the finest, most diverse groove anywhere on the air. It's just past 2 o'clock, and the only Hollywood that matters anymore, Hollywood, Florida. That means just past 8 o'clock in the morning on the big island of Hawaii. Aloha to the Kau crew, and it's just past 7 and 8 o'clock at night in Dublin, Lytham, St. Ann, Lisbon, and the rest of Western Europe. Yo, Grandmaster Flash, everything queued up, ready to go? I'm ready. Well, then saddle up and stick around. We kick it off with a brand new ditty from Little Steven.
on the Groovathon on SoFloRadio.com.
vocalist who's outstanding, demanding a piece of the pie, so I could write some rhymes for the people to listen to and lend an ear, cause it's my premiere to house the joint so you can wave your hands from side to side and just ride and glide like the rhythm does, cause it's a new decade, 91, I'm here to get paid, bringing the fuck back, giving you a taste of real hype juice that's been missing on wax, polishing up myself cause it's gotta be done, showing people that I'm not number one. Just a kid that's going out for mine And you could too if you showed some time Instead you wanna live your life like a shame So make a change Yo, I'm ready You hear that? Yo, I'm ready To make a change Yeah, I'm ready Yo, I'm ready I'm here to rap, not prove that I'm better than him or the other one. Stop playing veteran. Coming in strong like your life's a gun with a holster. You're coming like a poster. Still, you know, still, you just can't face me. Your rhymes are stupid and attitude is crazy. Here's a taste of what you haven't got. The status of a rapper that has maintained. From now till the end, then I'll keep snapping up next. Getting vexed, but you just can't flex. Bringing the crosstown back in effect. The group that the principal has selected. Real funky, here for the people Get on the right track, cause we're equal Lyrics are blazing fast like a machete So make a change, cause yo, I'm ready Yeah, yo, I'm ready To make a change, definitely I'm ready Yeah, I'm ready It's what I'm bringing Rap is all about rap and not singing Commercial stuff gets thrown out the window <laughs> So now you know I'm ready to crush all the stereotyping Giving your life cause it's the crowd I'm hyping So check the project, what I'm trying to do Make a better way for me and you So we can unite and have true unity Cause on the mic MC I'm talking Speak out rhymes so the public hear me Not too strong so they don't fear me Walk a rightful path, teach the youth A better way to live cause yo here's the proof Rhymes are flowing over this track steadily I'm here to make a change for yo, are you ready? Yeah, I'm talking to you Are you ready? Cause I'm ready Yo, are you ready? Yeah, cause I'm ready Yo, I'm ready Are you ready? Well, I'm ready Are you ready? Yo, I'm ready Are you ready? Yo, I'm ready I'm ready I mean, everything that we introduce to the world is shitty. <laughs> Meaning white people. Because I really think that white people are from, like, another planet. Because we, like, when we came to America, it was so nice. It was just Indians. And they weren't even Indians. We called them that by accident. And we still call them that. Like, we knew in a month that it wasn't Indians, but we just don't give a shit. We never correct it. 
we came here, they're like, hi. And we're like, hey, you're Indians, right? And they're like, no. No, this is India, right? No, it's not, it's to- totally other place. You're not Indians? No. Ah, you're Indians. You're Indians for hundreds of years after. We ruined everything here. This was the great, it was just coast to coast, just green and brown and beautiful. And, and all the humans were just walking around with painted faces, just walking. And they'd be like, ooh, that looks yummy. And then they just eat from the ground. And then they'd sleep on the grass. And they'd wake up and they'd fuck. And then they'd go for a swim and do a little dance. That was the whole continent was just folks doing that. I mean, there was people in Mexico cutting off kids' heads and rolling them down the pyramid stairs. But that's, I mean, that's, that's gonna, that's always going on. What are you gonna, you know, you can't, yes, you can't, you can't do a whole lot about that. But I think we came from another planet, and the reason is because we don't like it here. I mean, why, if we're from here, if we belong on Earth, why aren't we comfortable on earth at all. We need nice smooth surfaces and right angles and we need it to be cool and not too hot, just a little, that's just perfect. Like why wouldn't, when it's hot, why wouldn't we just, yeah, fuck it. Why wouldn't we be like that if we belong here? And it's weird because people, people that are, uh, whatever you call the, you know, there's environmentalists and then there's people who are whatever, they just, I hate environmentalists. But that's what people get angry at environmentalists because they think it's they're slowing down the economy and creating restrictions. And a lot of these people are Christian. A lot of these people are very devout Christians. And that's such a confusing thing to me that if you believe that God gave you the earth, that God created the earth for you, why would you not be have to look after it? Why the fuck? Why would you not think that when he came back, he wouldn't go, what the fuck did you do? I gave this to you, motherfucker. Are you crazy? The polar bears are brown. What did you, what did you do to the polar bears? Did you shit all over every polar bear? What did you, who did this? Who spilled this shit? Who spilled this? Come over. Did you fucking spill this? What is that? It's oil. It's just some oil. I didn't mean to spill. Well, why did you take it out of the fucking ground? Because I wanted to go faster. I don't. Well, I'm not. It's not. I'm not fast enough. And I was cold. What the fuck do you mean cold? I gave you everything you needed. You piece of shit. Well, because jobs. I wanted. What is a job? What is, explain to me, what's a fucking job? You go, like, you work at a place and when people call when they, their game doesn't work and you help them figure it out. What do you do that for? For money. What do you need money for? Food. Just eat the shit on the floor. I left shit all over the floor. Fucking corn and wheat and shit. Grab it and make some bread. What are you doing? Yeah, but it doesn't, it doesn't have, like, bacon around it and, like... <laughs> I like when it has like, like bacon on it and br- <laughs> I try.
yeah, rock and roll, baby. That's what rock and roll is supposed to freaking sound like right there. Soundgarden song is Flower from their very first album, Ultra Mega OK. As a matter of fact, that is song, that is track one, album one from those guys that got me to thinking about, you know, what's the uh, the best first song on a debut album, like track one. On a yeah. debut, I was, you know, that's one of those, that's one of those debates that, that, you know, you and me and a bunch of other friends of mine could go at in a pretty heated way. The one that came right, came to mind that was a similar, Bomb Track from the very first Rage Against the Machine. That first song on that first Rage Against the Machine CD, that just set the tone that those guys were going to be kicking your teeth down your throat for a while. That's a great, I'll tell you something, I actually said that the Rage Against the Machine album, that first Rage Against the Machine was literally the first CD I had heard in years that to me was like, okay, this is different than what everybody else is doing. Like, these guys went someplace mm. just a little bit, you know, that other people weren't going or hadn't gone yet. So, I always thought, I'm going to have a little bit more to say about uh, the unfortunate uh, loss of Chris Cornell, one yeah. of the uh, top shelf Johnny Walker Blue Voices in the world. Before that, Charles Bradley ain't a sin from his most recent CD, uh, Changes. Uh, came out uh, last year. That's his third album. The uh, the actual the song changes that he does. It's a, a Black Sabbath song. He does a Black Sabbath cover on that. All Charles right. Bradley's one of these great guys. He was like discovered in Brooklyn. He was like a James Brown impersonator or something. I played some other stuff by him before, and he was like in his forties or fifties. He was borderline homeless. Somebody saw him in some cabaret, hmm. brought him in, put a band around him, and now he's on his third CD. And it's it's really good stuff for that Louis C.K. on selfishness. You know, that's the thing. You got to find that nugget right in there. But that's the best thing. It's like, well, I need money to buy food. Bro, just eat the shit on the floor. (laughs) The guy's like, well, it doesn't have (laughs) bacon around it, man. There's no bacon around that. Before that, yeah, Caveman, I'm ready from Positive Reaction. That was their, uh, I believe that was their first CD, came out in 91. It's kind of the first serious hip-hop that uh, came out of England that got respect on this side of the pond over here, those guys are pretty good, you know, with the, uh, especially with the, uh, the, uh, Crosstown, the Jimi Hendrix Crosstown traffic sample and kicking off the set, brand new material from Little Steven. Blues is my business from Soul Fire. That literally just came out. It's his first, uh, solo album of all original material that he's put out in 20 years. This guy, cause, you know, basically he's been, you know, he spends most, he, during that time, he had some other things on his plate. I don't know what, the Sopranos mm-hmm. and touring with Springsteen. So he had other things to do. So I'm going to give him a pass All right. on that because he really did have some other things to do. All you right. Know? All right. And that song also starts out with a crosstown traffic sample. So, you know, what was good then is still good now. And it's good in hip hop and it's good in rock. That's how you know. That Jimi Hendrix wrote some great stuff because no matter what genre you go into, you can mm-hmm. use that shit as a you know as kind of the backbeat for it all. So, been away for a little while. A few things yeah. caught my eye. Mm-hmm. Depressing. I've got some depressing news here. These, these are these are the things that okay. The thimble is no longer a piece in Monopoly. I think the one they took out a couple of years ago was the iron. <laughs> they, they had the yeah, iron. yeah. They the iron. Now they took out the thimble. Yes. Which is also thymbolic. It is thymbolic. It's the age of Trump. It's just who uh, needs a thimble? I, I, I can just hire a seamstress. I don't know why these domestic implements are <laughs> taboo. Uh, I've never associated them. I, I guess when we broke out the Monopoly, the guy. I was like the wheelbarrow. I was a wheelbarrow. I, I like the, I like the Cavalier because it's the easiest one to, to mm-hmm. tall. Oh, look, it's the, the easiest top one to hat, grab and the move. Hat, you you know? the dog, little dog. 
But uh, I don't think that you know the oh, the, the, the sexist. No, you know not, I don't iron, know why. I don't, I don't know why they did it either. Iron, I, an iron, I own a thimble. Yeah, I, you know they mm. probably just did one of those online polls, like you know what mm-hmm. what pieces do you choose the most, and that one came in last. Yeah, you know that makes me wonder I'm though. A seamstress, I'm a seamstress. Well, you know what may what it makes me wonder is if they're gonna, you know, add something new. They're gonna come up with I, a new. I hope. Piece. You know, a new piece. Probably it'll be an AR-15. What do you think? An AR-15? Uh, I, yeah, that, that would be nice. <laughs> AR-15. Either that or like a uh, a Quotron, a little Quotron from, uh, you know, Quotron computer from Wall Street. That'd be, that would certainly be timely. Frank DeFord passed away. You're not a big sports fan. No. I am. Frank DeFord, one of the great writers, sports writers and, uh, you know, sports columnists um, really ever. Uh, just... He really got to the heart of a lot of matters. He he wrote about sports as both a fan of sports and a fan of America and a, and a humanist. He was a humanist. And I think that he really took a look. He he really had an ability to get to the human side of the sports story before that was kind of, you know, now that's the end thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, let's let's talk about the person. He really did that first so he passed away some more depressing news i told you about this before mary Kay latorno and vili fualau yes the uh 15 year old that she was sent to jail mm-hmm. for uh banging while she was his teacher in high school and then they ended up married yeah well unfortunately 20 years later love has died they are now i'm, I'm heartbroken i know really. there's just... legally they have they just separated unfortunately so, you know, that's always – okay, you ready? I'm ready. You ready? Yeah. I want you – you know, here's here's a lead-in for you. Thank you. Okay. Kathy Griffin decides in her infinite wisdom that it would be funny and poignant and timely to take a picture of her standing there smiling with the severed bloody head of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. What is your feeling about that? And then – okay – and then, of course, she gets canned by CNN. Pan, you know, it's Christmas morning for Trump people. And uh, and she then has a press conference that, mm-hmm. you know, where she starts crying. I mean, just so we're clear on this before, before, yes. I, before I let you go off. OK, you know, her hero, Joan Rivers, wouldn't have taken this shit from the. Pre- She'd have been like, hey, guess what? You fucking candy ass mm-hmm. fucking Bitches, you know what I'm doing now? I'm taking that little severed head and I'm starting my own tour and I'm going to yeah. play every, I'm going to do 50 dates and I guarantee every fucking one is going to be sold out and I'm going to give everybody, all the protesters outside, the finger. I'm going to post a big, that's what Joan Rivers would have done. Mm-hmm. So, thank you. Where do you, what do you think about well, all you, of this? You know, I'm a time traveler. We've I, established this as a Martian. I travel through absolutely. time. Absolutely. One of my favorite things to do is to go back in time and witness the first time that things happened that's like i really like going to see how did something start the first thing that i went back to see in my in my time when i got the ability to time travel is i wanted to see the first time that a human went from being prey to predator the first time that a human went and turned around and faced a saber-toothed tiger and said no not (laughs) not this time right I have a stick i have a stick and it's i've been practicing with it i sharpened it let's see Let's see what I can do. Because they're not around anymore and we are, so at some point... Right, we got better. The table's turning. I want to watch, and it was wonderful. It was really... What, you know, I'm sure it was. 
Another thing that I wanted to go back and see in time was the first time that a, an aspiring entertainer, an entertainer, did something outrageous in order to get attention because as we know, being in show business, playing the fame game, right. we're in the attention-getting yeah, business. No news is bad this news. Is, like this any, is, any news is good news. This is the attention-getting contest. Well, the concept of entertainers doing outrageous things dates all the way back to 6,000 BC when Og all right, <laughs> bit the head off of a lizard and everyone – was very very. Ozzy's been doing yeah, it. Yeah, Ozzy, Ozzy right, Og, Og. Years later, Ator copied him by biting the uh, the head off of a fish in front of people, and everyone immediately chastised him for copying Og, <laughs> and 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 they were very less impressed by Ator when he did it. Here now, thousands of years later, entertainers are still biting the heads off of things. And, and, and writing on the walls with their poop and wearing the dresses of meat. And somehow I'm embarrassed for the whole fucking human race that children peeing on the bed and pooping in the corner and the dog leaving a pile uh, next to the door and, and all of the stupid not having anything to do with talent shit. Yeah, I'm playing armpit farts. <laughs> Comedians and especially... Especially comedians who aren't funny, which makes you wonder why they're a comedian in the first place. Comedians who, who think that it's funny to make fun of the fact that they're not funny, like Kathy Griffin, who writes books about being unfunny and, and makes it a part of her act. All right? They have nothing. They have nothing. It's, verbal, but, it's the verbal equivalent of the whoopee cushion. Nothing. They have no way of drawing an audience since they have no talent but to resort to cheap prehistoric stunts, Just so which could- is so fucking old and tired. For anyone to reward her by paying attention to her, you embarrass me all. Well, right right now, the entire LGBTQRSTUV mm. community is literally, you know, they're they're now getting getting a full metal jacket together just for you because she's like gay icon woman. I don't care. I know. Look, she's I'm not fa- funny. I always, I've always been a she's fan of her. She's not funny. She but did some stand up back in the day. Maybe when she did like maybe when she was pure stand up. I'll take your word she, for it. I'll take did, your word for she it. She was funny. And All so right. Like, she bought herself an excuse to be there for one thing, but I, and I don't dislike her personally or anything like that. I right. wish her nothing. Look, she stands on the same side of the issues see, that I to do. Me, to me, she's like a jazz musician. Whatever product she's cranking out, it ain't for me, man. Nicht von mir. Nice. So, so... Uh, so there's that. There's on the one hand, there's that, and you know, I, I, I just want to grow and see because I'm scrolling through my Facebook feed. I see Kathy Griffin with a bloody head of Donald Trump. I roll my eyes and groan and keep on scrolling. I don't even pause. Yeah. Scroll, 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 groan. Scroll, 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 and that is the reaction that I would expect from anyone else who has lived no, a negative fucking no. All right, that's point number one. Point number two, for any Trump fan to have – first of all, you have surrendered the, the right to be outraged by anything, all right? Shut up and sit down. Don't you dare thrust your righteous finger into the air and say, now, see here, I'll have you know – I'll have you know, fuck you, sit down, Trump fan. Well, You've got nothing to say about nothing. Well, here's the answer. Here's anyway, what I, here's, there you go. You, you got it, that out of your there, Thank you. Thank you very much, Tony. Here's for, what here's what I wrote. I wrote Goose Meet Gander. Just so we're clear, for her not to have known that this was going to result in an early Christmas in Trumpistan is flat out negligence, particularly in lieu of her experience in the public eye, and especially because she's made a career out of commenting on others under the very same glare she now finds herself in. 
Hey, don't get me wrong. I've always been a fan. And this bit of easily spinnable shtickloch <laughs> hasn't changed my opinion of her. But here's the rub. Because while it bums me out that liberals all too often slink away from, from standing up for our teammates by taking a few punches and then throwing a few back so the other guy knows he can't just steal our lunch money whenever he feels like it, we can't emerge from eight years of decrying about how our guy was effigized. Mm-hmm. Trademark on that one. All right. In the schoolyard, and then not comment when one of our own, you know, one of our own people goes over and sucker punches the bully. Mm. All right. I'm a progressive, and I'm usually a proud member of the Democratic Party. And while I'd be pleased as punch to see President Trump's entire agenda vanquished, I don't think I have to dive headfirst into the cesspool of hypocrisy that only yesterday I was gleefully pissing upon. That having been said, the mind-numbing lunacy of using free speech as a weapon against the free speech of others, ad infinitum, hasn't eluded me any more than its increasing reliance on as a diversionary tactic. We're like Greg Marmalard looking at Otter's thumb in, in Animal House. Uh, in today's scene, the part of Otter's thumb will be played by Kathy Griffin. And we all know what happens after that. He gets punched in the face and the guy goes, gee, you're dumb. So, that you know, I just... There, I saw the video from the mm. shoot, and she said, you know, after I do this, I'm, I may have to move to Mexico. No, I, you may have to move further than that, honey. On so many levels. It's such a distraction. First of all, Tr- it, it, a- is, it is because here, with, with someone like Trump, you've got plenty of material, and so many – Comedians, actual comedians, yeah. have have taken that straw and woven it. I don't need it you to become a prop and, comic into before what, my very into eyes. comedy gold. Look at prop look at comic. Look at look at what what all of the other comedians have done. Look at what Colbert has done, and look at what's what Seth Meyers. Look, all these people yeah. that, that that can write. Bill Maher used Bill the term Bill house nigger, and they're already Mar- screaming at him. Bill, Bill. We we don't need this kind of shit right now, Bill. Shut up, uh, sit down. Um, but <laughs> but I'm not just just. There's so much material there. There's so much material. There's so much comic gold in this in this administration and in this person and and this phenomenon and everything that's going on. Without having to resort to shock, you're not helping anyone. You're not helping yourself. You're just giving you're them ammunition and, and, to distract and, and, us from and, the real and, shit. And, exactly. And let me tell you another thing. From an entertainer and entertainment uh, uh and an entertainer an entertainment fan standpoint and here's why i don't like shock and i'm not a fan of shock because it's easy and anyone can do it yeah it's just right? it's, it's so, low-hanging fruit baby. so therefore so therefore no trump is low-hanging fruit so pick the fucking low-hanging fruit and bake a nice pie right all right yeah right good don't, point don't yes. don't, don't 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 fucking sh- eat it, shit in your hand, and then write on the wall and go, "Ooh, look, I'm an artist." No, you're not. You're desperate. All right. When you resort to shock, it's a good it's, point. it's an act of desperation because obviously you're out. You're out of real material because because right, the orchard's going dry. You got to go to the you got to go to the I mean, crappy s- fruit. Seriously, yeah. over here, and you know, and giving anyone on the other side any ammunition. By the way, you people on the other side, you don't have any ammunition because you have capitulated. You have yeah, surrendered. Well, that's the yeah. The, the, yeah. But that's why my thing is I'm not going to jump on a hypocrisy train because that's what they do. And yeah. I'm not going to be part of that. Not freedom of speech. We're good for the goose, good for the gander. If you, you know, I'm not going to saddle up and, you know, and ride that horse because, A, you're right. It's just shock for the sake of shock when you should be using 
you know, be getting more cerebral yeah. and getting trying to help us they're, through comedy to get our head around the catastrophe we're living through. Certainly. If, yes. if and you, there are plenty of people who are, you're right about that, who are doing an excellent job of it. Yeah. What she did was just not that. That's t- t- taking a shit on the floor and yeah. it's just, it's, but you know, it's old. The gay community it's old. loves coming. Shock they love old. coming to the defense of this, the, you know, of, of her and anybody that has been on the side of the gay by community. The way, and, and just real quick, they don't really, care if she's wrong. Um, or they don't care if she's bad. By the way, they just care just, that she's being denigrated by the person yeah, they hate. Yeah, yeah, so they're gonna. Yeah. And, and in one respect. I like and, that. That's the thing. I like it when we stand up for our teammates. I just think that this isn't the right time to demonstrate here, your ability to do that. And here's another thing. I like to be I like to be on the team that has the white hats. Yeah. I like to be on the team That's that takes, why I'm not the, getting on the hypocrisy I like train, the, baby. I like to be on you the team. You gotta throw that hat into the pool. That, if you I like do. to be on the team that takes the high road and stays on the high road. All right. The other team is content to own the low road. Oh, they and wallow in it. They they revel in the low road and I say let them have it. Let them have it and don't go there. All right, don't go there with them. Stay on the motherfucking high road, and that goes for you too, Bill Maher. Yeah, well, you know, Bill Maher, he—I uh, don't think uh, he goes on the low road to this degree. Well, I think know, I'm disappointed. I'm very disappointed. Well, shit he, that look, comes he flying. Spat it, he spat it. I watched the show. They've taken it out, but I saw the original broadcast. And I'll tell you something. This was one of those things where the 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 comment that was made by the senator that prompted him to say this. Okay, uh-huh. it was bang bang. And I'll tell you something. He was right. He just didn't use the right words. Let me t- let but me he was you. right in his in the sentimentality there. He doesn't do yeah, but he's not out there doing this kind of prop comic stuff. He's right. talking to serious people about serious issues and generally I know, I know. he's, he's and that's very why, funny. And that's why about, I'm disappointed. And that's yeah, why I'm disappointed. I am too, we but need, you know what? I'll get past that. But the Kathy Griffin thing what? is just an excuse. He's got an excuse, she doesn't. She's had a plenty of a forethought. He was in the middle of an interview live. And he spat that out. If, okay. If not for the fact he did his mea culpa fa- and right. move on. If not for the fact that the human race has decided to make this uh, this Kathy Griffin thing an issue, it would be beneath my notice. Yes, I agree. Beneath so let's move to uh, something that is important. Sure. Yes. All right. Um, you and I both went, were apoplectic when um, Congress decided to make it okay for internet providers mm. to sell our yeah. browser history. Well. Here is the shock of shocks. Representative Marsha Blackburn, a the Republican from Tennessee. Let me say that again. Marsha Blackburn, the Republican congresswoman from Tennessee, has introduced a bill in the House. Um, it is H.R. Puffin uh, stuff. It's the 115th Congress. They haven't actually house. They haven't actually given the House resolution a number yet. The bill, and here's what it states, because I download. I've got the actual bill right here, to require providers of broadband internet access service and edge services to clearly and conspicuously notify users of privacy policies of such providers to give users opt-in or opt-out approval rights with respect to use of, disclosure of, and access to user information collected by such providers based on the level of sensitivity of such information and for other purposes. Hooray, Marsha Blackburn. Should we play a fanfare? (laughs) (laughs) Fanfare for the common man? (laughs) I know. There he is. Marsha Blackburn, you know, and look. Generally, she's one of these people that's just going to spew out whatever she thinks the Republican, you know, 
she she toes she toes the conservative line, and she's usually full of shit. She's pro, you know. She's always talking about clean coal. There's you know that's like jumbo shrimp. But I digress. In this instance, let you know people are always saying, "Oh, you never you never talk about good things they do." Well, actually, okay, here you go, Marsha Blackburn. Thumbs up, baby. Yeah, thumbs up. Two. We're both we're good on you. We got you love back, you. Hey. baby. We love that shit. Mm-hmm. So that's something that, and it hasn't been, a, the reason it hasn't been given an HR number, House Resolution, um, is because it hasn't been brought to the floor yet. And the question is this. You now have a Republican in a Republican-controlled House of Representatives. So the only way a bill could be brought to the floor is if Ryan says it should be brought to the floor right. and voted on. Now let's see if he does it. I want to see... Who's holy? Who's a wholly owned subsidiary of Xfinity and UVerse and Comcast and right. Time Warner? Well, I thought they all were surprised. That's what that's I shocked and amazed. I am shocked and amazed and pleasantly so. So I don't ever want yeah. to hear anybody going. Yeah, we like this is the kind of shock we like. We love know? this shit, and you know, constantly, you know, all my friends are like, oh, you know, you just hate them, you know, hate them. No. I hate what they do unless they do something right. In this case, yeah. I don't hate it. I'm behind it 100%. So, Marshall Blackburn, you go, girl. Yeah. You go, girl, because we got you back at the groove with Don. Me and George stand shoulder to shoulder mm-hmm. with you, and we're armed. You're armed, and you'll help me get armed. That's right. Okay? That's right. So, let me see. What else? Um, I'm sure I had some other shit in here to talk about. Really, you know what? That was pretty much it. I mean, I wrote that the Democrats wanted to to – when when back the uh, non-college white vote just let let trump get everything passed you know and then let him suck up the pain i'll move yeah, past yeah. i'm not even gonna bother. <laughs> i'm writing something about it right now all right i'm writing about what i think might could potentially be the silver lining okay trying not to poke out anything you're gonna need later. yeah well like you know, it's a good thing i got an extra one there so unfortunately chris cornell took his own life and this is another one and i'll tell you you know i saw a picture of him his wife and his two kids like on the red carpet somewhere None of they're, they're all frowning. It's like the whole family's depressed, you know. But he took his own life, and I have said on this show on numerous occasions that on the top shelf, the very top shelf for vocalists, for rock vocalists, mm. that Johnny Walker Blue, that that you know Delomain Cognac shelf. Okay, there are three singers I put up there. My the first three I put up there are Tom Jones. Mm-hmm. Paul Rogers, a bad company, and Chris Cornell, because that mm-hmm. voice is fucking rock. His voice was rock and roll. You heard that voice and you thought rock, baby. Yeah. He yeah. had a voice. You just, you can't take classes and, and vocal technique and shit and wind up with that. You just don't. You either have it or you don't, and he fucking had it. And gone way too soon, man. He's done great stuff. Over the years, and it's a real. This is a rock and roll tragedy to me, um, because there isn't enough straight up beat right. the shit out of you, have you like it, and come back asking for more rock and roll and Soundgarden and Audio Slave. Yeah, those, they're doing it. They were doing it, man. That was the Chris Wyland thing. STP, yeah. straight up rock and roll, baby. We're just gonna yeah. write rock and roll songs. We're gonna play them really hard, really loud. We're gonna come with good stuff. With good well, musicianship, yeah. okay, and, and, and we let vocals. and and you know Chris Wyland's wife really mm-hmm. said, you know, it's your fault. You guys let him die because everybody stood aside and just wanted him to get on stage. Nobody wanted him to pull him away for a couple of years and say, look, 
you're great at this, but you know, you're going to be dead soon. Well, yeah. unfortunately, this is one of those things like, you know, I don't get it. This is one of those things like an eating disorder. I don't understand eating disorders. I don't understand right. clinical well, depression. I don't know what, you know, I've you, been you, depressed. We don't know what's don't going on. From depression. Right. We don't know what's going on in other people's, people's heads. heads. And the brain is chemistry, man. It, it is. And it's very, you know, this was, you know, when I heard about it, I was kind of, you know, because when I, I've, I'm going to have a little comment on Greg Allman mm-hmm. later. And when I heard about that, okay, you know, that man lived a fucking hard life, but he was in his late 60s or, you know, whatever. He'd, he'd been around for 40 years already, mm-hmm. and, you know, 25 of them were, baby, 25 of them were, were drenched in gin, you know, drenched in Jack Daniels, man. I mean, you know, these guys, they partied fucking hard, dude. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, that one was kind of expected. And he died, you know, in his own in his sleep or whatever, in his own bed, blah, blah, blah. But this guy, you know, took his own life. Yeah. He took his own life. And, you know, you think to yourself, I was watching a documentary. And it's called uh, fighting, for a, fighting for a Dream, and it's about huh, NHL hockey enforcers. Mm. It's a very interesting documentary. And they were talking, one of these guys was saying, you know, there was a time I'm sitting in a penalty box, and I was looking up the scoreboard, and I was just really depressed. And he's like, you know, at some point I had to think to myself, what the hell are you depressed about? I'm playing with Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messier. I make almost a million dollars a year, and I'm in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And he's like... I don't, and he's like, and he didn't understand. He didn't understand it, and he had to go and get help. And he's still alive because he went and got help. He pulled himself out of the league after seven years, beating the shit out of people and having the shit kicked out of him. Mm. And, you know, he was a good player. And he had, you know, he started diving into pills. There's a lot of pills and then booze, and he had to get himself, you know, the anxiety started to get there. And then he pulled himself out and he got help. And now he helps others. It was interesting because I there was one guy in this documentary who said that he was feeling the same way. What he did to help himself was charity work. He said he just dove right into charity work, not drugs. Yeah. He said, you see people doing drugs, but I went into charity work. And, and I, when I heard that, I was like, whoa. Yeah. You know, that guy, that's, that's the kind of guy you know, I'd like to be someday when I find myself in a situation where I'm you know, pissing and moaning and all this shit. And I have to think to myself – Whoa, 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 whoa. Food is on the table. Roof yeah. is over the head. I right got a ra- I'm living a dream. I got a radio show, First world problems. First world problems and high class. Yeah. High yeah. class problems. Yeah. Not just first world. Okay. We got people in the first world that suffer. Mm-hmm. I got high class problems, mm-hmm. baby. Upper yeah. class problems. And so, you know, if one Soundgarden song is good, Two, two is, is better. better. And Twice I'll tell you, good. I've got stuff in this set from all three of the great voices. And I've also got uh, another bad company to finish off the show today. You know, just I was fortunate enough to meet him. And I'll talk, tell you that whole story later. But, you know, we keep the groove going. And it really is, you know, I didn't kind of go off on this. But I think about it. And it's sad because he had a lot of rock left in him. He had a lot of rock and roll left in him. And I'm sad. And I, I feel bad for his family. And I feel bad for the fans and everything. But mostly I feel bad for rock and roll because we're now not going to get the rock and roll he still had left in him. Yeah. But you know yeah. what we still have? We got the rock and roll he did. We're going to continue it here. Soundgarden drawing flies from Bad Motorfinger on the Groove of Dawn on SoFloRadio.com. <laughs>
the opportunity to attain great wealth is within the reach of almost every man and woman. Let us remember, there is not a poor person in the United States who was not made poor by his own shortcomings. It is all wrong to be poor, anyhow. God must think he's God or something, lording it over us. Seems to like to make us feel ridiculous. Gives us just one life and he lets us think it's not enough. Where can you get a better deal?
fevered if I never get it right. company moving on from their first album bad company came out in 74 yeah it's the they were the first guys signed uh, to the led zeppelin label swan song that's the first album that was produced on that label that wasn't by uh bad company just what a great voice paul rogers man right up there he's he's on that top shelf before that yeah somebody we both like joe jackson that is from his uh, latest release fast forward the name of the song is keep on dreaming he came out in 2015 and this is a very interesting album. What he did is he it's a it's four distinct out al- it's like a double album and it's four distinct 
album sides. Each one of them recorded in a different city with different musicians that are primarily based in that city. It was in uh, New York City, Amsterdam, Berlin, and New Orleans. And this particular track is from the New Orleans okay. uh, side. And um, one of the guys, one of the guys that's on that is a uh, drummer that I love, uh, a guy named Stanton Moore. And I played something by him a long time ago called Potlicker. I played that on the show, and so he used those musicians in once. It's a very good out if you're if you're a Joe Jackson fan. Absolutely, go out and get Fast Forward. It didn't get a lot of press, you know. Guys like that release stuff, and you know, you've got to know, you got to mm-hmm. kind of be on the in. You know, because it's not going to get played on the radio. Mm-hmm. It's probably not going to make it onto your whatever it is you you use. Pandora. The, yeah, the Pandora, <laughs> whatever thing. But it's absolutely worth getting. Um, it's just some really good music, and it's distinct. I think that's the thing about Joe Jackson is he can go through all those styles, and he does them all. You know, it's his own thing, but with that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that that ode to whatever city he happens to be in in the New Orleans side is fantastic. For that... Yeah, a great quote from Russell Conwell about uh, – it was originally – and I'll be talking about that in a second. He came out with uh, a uh, sermon, I guess. He's the reverend mm-hmm. – by the way, the reverend Russell Conwell called Acres of Diamonds. And he's actually the uh, founder of Temple University. And it's just that line at the end of it, though, it is all wrong to be poor anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or That's anyhow. True. It's all wrong to be poor anyhow. anyhow. For that Warren Lee, Mama Said We Can't Get Married, that came out as, an, a, a, uh, as a 45 only. It was released in 1969. It's actually another New Orleans guy. That, uh, that song actually was produced by Alan Toussaint, one of the, mm-hmm. you know, one of the greats ever in New Orleans, uh, you know, for New Orleans music. And uh, this guy, Warren Lee, he uh, died in 2014 and his obituary in the New Orleans Advocate, it said, Warren Lee, Warren Lee, King Lee, Taylor, an all-around maintenance man and musician, departed this life at his residence on Friday, April 18th, 2014. He didn't have a lot of stuff, but that particular song was actually uh, um, kind of a, uh, a tribute to James Brown. Mama said, we can't get married. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Warren Lee, so there you go. Look that shit up right there before that. Yeah, baby. Absolute fucking gold. Tom Jones and Janis Joplin doing Raise Your Hand. That is from the Tom Jones show in 1969. Yes. There's the the other guy, uh, the guitar player. uh, Now, I can't remember. He had a show as well. One of my favorites. I can't remember his name. Some of these shows, these variety shows Mm -hmm. from the 60s and 70s, there are some phenomenal nuggets on these shows. Seriously. And this is just one. Tom Jones and Janis Joplin. Come Mm -hmm. on. Come on. How... There's just no way for I don't they could read the phone book as long as they're singing it the way they sing it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be good. It's Tom Jones and Janis Joplin. So and kicking off the set, yeah, again, Soundgarden drawing flies from Bad Motorfinger in 1991. So in that set, I had three of the uh, the top shelfers up there. I had Tom Jones, you know, Chris Cornell, mm-hmm. and uh, Paul Rogers. Had them all in there. I feel good about that. So what got me to thinking about this uh, Acres of Diamonds thing? This uh, you know, Reverend Conwell, was Ben Carson, a, a headline I saw, it said, Ben Carson calls poverty, quote, state of mind. He's black. Yeah. And he said that. Yeah. Okay. Now, Bill Maher just gotten a little bit of a, uh, his own kerfuffle. Okay. For using the term house nigger. Yeah. Okay. Well, guess what? 
I'm going to throw out Uncle Tom in this particular case. Ben Carson is saying that poverty is a state of mind. From in 1882, Reverend Conwell wrote uh, this sermon called Acres of Diamonds. It became very famous. He's read it hundreds of times during the course of his life. And it said, one of the things it says is, I say this, this is from Acres of Diamonds from 1882. I say that you ought to get rich. And it is your duty to get rich. The men who get rich may be the most honest men you find in the community. Let me say here clearly, 98 out of 100 of the rich men of America are honest. That is why they are rich. That is why they are trusted with money. That is why they carry on great enterprises and find plenty of people to work with them. It is because they are honest men. I sympathize with the poor, but the number of people who are to be sympathized with is very small to sympathize with a man whom God has punished for his sins is to do wrong. Let us remember there is not a poor person in the United States who is not made poor by his own shortcomings. It is all wrong to be poor. Anyhow. Well, then there you The right Reverend Russell H. Conwell, founder of Temple University. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's where Bill Cosby got his ethics from, right? I I guess. Yeah. That, that is, that that tidbit right there, because, you know, that is from the original, basically at the beginning of the original Gilded Age of America mm-hmm. with the Rockefellers and Carnegie's and the DuPonts and, you know, these people, the, you know, uh, Astors, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and all of that. And when I when I read that, my, my first thought was, you know, people are complaining every time I hear somebody one of these conservatives, you know, I have friends of mine who are like, you know, Black Lives Matter. I'm just sick of it. Blah, blah, blah. Did you see this? Did you see how all the bikers went to uh, Washington, D.C. and there were no fights and there was no this and there was no that? Well, that's because they're the ones that usually start the fights. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I got friends of mine, a lot of biker friends of mine, and they're good people. Sure. Okay. They are yeah. just straight up. I learned some very poignant stuff from these guys by playing on a pool team at Cagney's and stuff. And, you know, give respect, get respect as a code. Um, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. But every time I hear somebody, you know, talking about the thugs of the inner city, I'm like, you know, you do realize that poverty is this is slavery is this country's cross to bear. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what we have to, you know, really kind of sit back and go, we're sorry about that. How can we make it better? And yet we don't. And to have somebody like him who has obviously he has achieved great success. He is a world renowned brain surgeon, for God's sakes. Okay. Hey, so I hear. Hey, look, that's the general consensus, and and I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to challenge that at all. I don't think people would come out and say that just to prop him up. He was, you know, he's the real deal, Neil. But when you're in that position, you shouldn't be talking about how other people, you know, should have been able to do as well as you because the the speed bumps, the roadblocks, the out and out tools to frustrate groups in this country from achieving greatness are so obvious and to deny them and mm-hmm. to come out with a statement that says poverty is a state of mind. Yeah. It's not. It's a state of hunger, you fuckwad. <laughs> it's a state of homelessness, you piece of shit. It's a state of unemployment. Okay? It is a state of bigotry it's a state of being on the wrong end of the bigotry stick mm-hmm. you're getting the fuzzy end of the racist lollipop there pal yeah. 
And that just made me... So a lot of stuff has obviously been going on. I went back and looked at a bunch of uh, quotes. There's nothing specific really that I have here to talk about. I I wrote down a whole bunch of uh, little lines here. The one that I wrote up at the top was, you know, every time Donald Trump is going to come out with something. He never tells you quite what he's like. Well, I'm going to do it at this particular time. And so I wrote down, how do you keep a nation of morons in suspense? I'll tell you tomorrow in the Rose Garden. Yeah, yeah. That's how you do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, was, I wrote down that a, a title should be Exhausted by Scandals, A Tragic Tale of Trump Attrition. This is, this is it. We're just – I'm so beat down. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm almost beat down. I, I, I asked myself the question, what's the difference between – I wrote it all the way down at the end here. I have to find this. What is the difference between uh, cognitive dissonance and cognitive attrition? I give up. No, I I (laughs) give up too. That's the whole point. You give up. That's literally it. If the scandals have caused – he's going to win through through attrition. Back when uh, New York City government was being run by Tammany Hall and Boss Tweed, um, when they they finally got rid of him, uh, Walt Whitman – Regarding Congress uh, at the time and in relation to the uh, to Tammany Hall in a in a in a uh, piece that he wrote in a New York City newspaper, he said that the the uh, political institutions in this country at this point were, and I quote, rife with scoundrelism. I, okay. Good. Yeah. I, I like the word rife. Right. I like and I like scoundrelism. Well, scoundrel. Yeah. But rife. With scoundrelism, and you know, it's like a republic of scoundrels, and then there's uh, what's his name, P.J. O'Rourke's book, Parliament mm-hmm. of Whores. So I got me to think about that. Any politician who gets rich while in office is corrupt. Harry Truman. Mm-hmm. No, that's for sure. They're all getting rich. Mm-hmm. They're all getting rich in Congress, man. Blustering banal- banality is the Trump methodology. I'm gonna we're we're gonna. I'm gonna we're gonna. I'm gonna we're gonna. Mm-hmm. They them they. Mm-hmm. They them they. It's all call and response shit for like, you know, I don't know, brain dead people. I wrote down that uh, the reason Trump wants more money for defense spending is not because what gets built will make us safer, but because what gets built will be built by Americans all over the country. It's not a defense spending bill. It's a jobs bill. Mm -hmm. And the surest sign of that was what Senator Mike Rounds from South Dakota, said when trying to talk up Trump's accomplishments Mm -hmm. so far. He was on, you know, he was saying, you know, somebody was castigating uh, Trump, you know, one of the the talking head news channels. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, why aren't you talking about his accomplishments? And he stated the increase in defense spending is a big deal in this part of the country. Talking about Mm -hmm. South Dakota. Mm -hmm. And I, and I wrote, this is the problem. Why why is it a big deal in that part of the country? Was it going to make them safer than it will? Were, were you guys not as safe as someplace got else? A, got a factory there? Yeah. Is, isn't defense spending something that's supposed to benefit every American equally? Mm-hmm. That's the point of it. It's not there to help us boost the economy. It's there to make sure that our economy can't be bombed. Mm. <laughs> okay? And uh, I think, you know, you, were po- you pointed this out a long time ago, what – what defense contractors have very successfully done is make sure that the stuff that they built requires parts built in, like, you know, as many different congressional districts as humanly sure, possible. Sure, absolutely. Everyone's got a stake. They, yeah, they've, they've spread mm-hmm. the wealth around. So that's one of those things. And now, you know, apparently this morning he went out and doing his 
one trillion dollar infrastructure bill. Mm. Infrastructure bill. You mean that was the same one that Obama wanted to do, but you said it wasn't shovel yeah. ready. I want to see who the first person to bring up the term shovel ready project. Okay. Because that was their big thing. It's not shovel ready. It's not shovel ready. You said it was shovel ready, and it's not ready to be shoveled. His bullshit is shovel ready. Hey, sh- kidding me? Yeah. It's already been. He got a dump truck. Yeah. No shovel. He a wheelbarrow into a dump truck into a fucking cargo container. Uh, Mulvaney, the head of the uh, budget mm-hmm. group for this guy, goes out, talks about his 2018 budget. I had an entire thing on this, and I just, I literally started feeling queasy. Mm-hmm. So I, I couldn't include it, but I thought it was interesting that uh, when uh, OMB, the Office of uh, the you know Budget Management Office, guys that you know go crunch the numbers when they put shit out like this, mm-hmm. yeah, they noticed a little bit of a uh, the numbers were a little bit off. There was a bit of a miscalculation in the proposed 2018 budget. By little, I'm not talking a lot of money. I mean, two trillion dollars gone. There was mm-hmm. the two trillion dollar miscalculation. That's our budget guy. Yeah, yeah. That's Oops. budget man right there. Two trillion dollars. He fucked up. And this guy during his press conference, you know, in a White House, once again, just like Mnuchin and Cohn, it's updated version of Fed speak. Mm. And while the people in the room know he's full of shit, anybody listening to it, it sounds like he knows what he's talking about. Like it's going to be good. Like, yeah, okay. I'm mm. behind you on that, but it's all gobble. It's ver- it's verbal machinations that that amount to nothing more than gobbledygook. Mm-hmm. You know, take for this is about being fair to the American taxpayer. We're not. We're more concerned about the people who pay taxes as opposed to the people who get the tax money. Really? Then mm. you're going to be concerned about subsidies to oil companies, you're right? Oh, oh, you were. Oh, so you didn't mean those people? You mean the individual? Mm-hmm. You mean you know blacks? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's what yeah, they mean. but that's not who they mean. See, that's the thing. That's what that's what all the that's what all the Trump people think they mean, and so they're happy with it. They don't realize that he's talking about them. Right? He's talking about them. They're the ones that are going to get mercilessly reamed. And trust me when I tell you this: the blood and the screaming will not deter t- Trump as he puts mm-hmm. that tiny little dick of his in their asses. Nope. Over and then breaks it off, mm-hmm. leaves it there. That's what this budget does. Mm-hmm. It is an ass fuck. Hmm. Okay, to the Trump, to the heart of Trump and his supporters, you know, and and they're just the the level of cognitive dissonance and willful ignorance that is just piling up in this country among our among constituents, among various constituencies is is it's as if they don't care about the results. It's all about, you know, once again, this is like. The movie uh, Bring It On, the cheerleading movie, mm-hmm, yeah. where the football team itself, which is what it's supposed you know, they're the ones that are – they can't win a single game, but their cheerleading squad's the best in the nation. Right. That's what the Trump administration is. Mm-hmm. It's the political equivalent of the movie Get It On. They couldn't win a game, mm-hmm. but their cheerleading squad was great. Oh, and by the way, their winning cheer was stolen from an right. inner city yes. cheerleading gang. Yeah. So this really is – you know, he's stealing it. And, you know, behind the scenes, it's Bannon, okay? Bannon mm-hmm. is basically in the middle of perpetrating the greatest long con in American political history. Because he didn't think he was going to have to legislate. 
He wasn't. He didn't want to be in government. He wanted to make money off of complaining about government. Mm-hmm. Right. That's his forte. That's you know that's his bread and fucking butter right there. Taking as many people as he can, stuffing them into the basket. The de- deplorables. Oh, deplorables. Deplorable the basket. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then steering him where he wants him to go for his own selfish purposes. Mm-hmm. He's literally he's Jim Jones, except he's basically he's the hand inside of Don of the sock puppet that Donald Trump is. Donald Trump's a sock puppet and Bannon. And the truest evidence of that is this pulling out of the Paris Accord. Mm-hmm. Because a, it really means nothing. It really, it's not bringing. It's not going to bring back the jobs. Right. It, it's not going to make us not. We didn't have to abide by anything. There was no law right. there. Mm-hmm. These were suggested guidelines. And the ironic part is that he's saying, you know, China and India aren't. You know, that's the big thing. China's not doing. It. Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. Right. They're going to be the number one producer of solar panels mm-hmm. in the world. We're going to miss out on that. Do you know that India has a goal? Of having no internal combustion cars on the road by like 2030. They have like, they literally have set this goal for the country. That's great. They want to have all electric vehicles in that country That's within great. like 15 years. Why aren't we doing that? You know the we answer to that. We fucking invented this shit. Because we are owned by the oil companies. And this is it. I mean, owned. we are kowtowing to coal and oil. And the ironic part, I think, behind what took place in the Paris. You know, pulling out of Paris is that Exxon Mobil was against pulling them out, pulling out mm-hmm. Exxon Mobil. Okay, but behind the scenes, baby, oil executives are like, I said it many, mm-hmm. many months ago. Keep an eye on oil prices. We're about to go into that summer break mm-hmm. where people aren't really doing things and they're just kind of screaming at each other. So there's not going to be any talk about that. All right, pay attention. Because they're, they're trying to do it. Saudi Arabia is going to get all pissed off at one point. Their, OPEC is going to try and – they're going to try and keep production levels down amongst their members, which is, you know, trying to – you know, that's trying to like – it's like herding cats mm-hmm. with these people because nobody ever abides by it because everybody needs more money. And that's for, – for oil-rich nations, okay, that's basically all they have. That's Russia's thing. They have they're, – they're completely an, an, an petroleum-based economy. And these countries and people like Donald Trump and all these people who are like, you know, Donald Trump digs coal. No, he doesn't. He takes advantage of the people who actually dig coal. It's just, it's, that it's, guy's uh, never been in a mine. I, uh, I, I, I don't want to hear anything they have to say about it. It's just I really they, don't. They, yeah. they have nothing. And I, that, at, this, you know. at this point now, I said uh, most elected officials are just hoping to be able to leave office and not have the title disgraced. Mentioned every time their name and former position is disgraced Congressman Anthony Weiner, disgraced governor from Virginia, uh, McDonnell, disgraced Michigan governor, Blagojevich, disgraced former head of, you know, of, uh, you know, the security, you know, the the National Security Council, General Flynn. It's all they're all disgraced. Mm -hmm. At this point, all you want to do if you're in government now is just get out of there and retire without having to worry about your name. Be, the the word disgraced being said prior to your name every time it's said. If they even care, you know, I, I don't think they care. See, that's the thing. I think they do. I think they're concerned about their legacy, I and in their opinion, I they don't. think that getting a following 
and getting money and getting a following is what's going to prop up the, you know, going to make for good tombstones. You know, it's that great line from Live and Let Die. Well, well, let me tell you my name. Names are for tombstones, boy. Take this guy out in the back and put one in his ear. <laughs> Mr. Big. How was he? Mr. Big. You know, at the Filet of Soul. That was at the Filet of Soul restaurant. Mr. Big's going to want to talk to you. Hi, my name is James Bond. Names are for tombstones, sucker. <laughs> so, in any event, you know, I'm worn out. I, I was talking, you know, with you before the show saying, you know, if you don't do a show, if you don't, the, the thing about cable news mm-hmm. is that now it actually matters because you can't do a weekly show and write the entire thing. Right. And then come in on that day and have it be mm-hmm. relevant anymore mm-hmm. because there is a new Petroishka doll of scandal that yeah. has been constructed to to create the outermost distraction from all the inner Petroishka dolls that were, you know, that are, that mm-hmm. are, you know, lined up in there. And inside of the smallest one is Steve Bannon mm-hmm. stroking that cock, baby. Uh, just waiting to uh, do, waiting. He's just waiting to shoot a big load. He looks These like guys a tumor. Just fucking, just, yeah. yeah. You know, uh. the guy's an ex-Navy SEAL, thrice divorced. You think that means he likes spending time at home with the wife and kids? No. Bullshit. He's literally the definition of a man who spends all day twisting his mustache and hatching a plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's snidely. Snidely. He's snidely. <laughs> He's snidely whiplash, man, by dun, definition. Dun, 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 dun. So, you know, if you're sick of Trump, I feel you, baby. You know, I said to a friend of mine, I, I'm, I'm house-sitting for my friend Howie, and I just took him to the airport this morning, and he gets back on Thursday, and his plane gets in at 10. I said, well, you know, by then, who knows? Maybe we'll be on our way to impeachment after uh, Flynn, after uh, Comey does his testifying. That is must-see television. That's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Just to watch that. And, you know, I can't wait. I know. It's, it's really – it's just there's only so long these guys are going to be able to cover this shit. At some point, it's going to be out there. It's going to be interesting to see if when the facts – like, you know, they haven't made any connection. But when they do, I want to see how you guys react to that. Like, what's yeah. going to be – what's your excuse to be a racist, greedy, bigoted – piece of shit then mm-hmm. how are you gonna how are you gonna fucking must it out one up i don't know we're gonna keep the groove going here though it's enough already i can i see that look your eyes are starting to i think we covered no i'm fine <laughs> i'm fine we can keep the groove going here it's radio Birdman on the groovathon on soflowradio.com
Yes, yes, it's never ever but I'm always funky fresh From James Brown spinning with the Charlie Sheen We're together still from the beginning till we hit the extra And there's no doubt, no question Spark a new lesson on the groove progression A world procession, treated like a profession I'm a pro confessing Skills and terms of messing with the funky rhythms Blessing great beats from the turntable Always willing, always able Just to in the microphone game It's a fly needed kicks, piece of funky door yet. Still rocking it tight. When day we gonna party at the stereo site with the levels just right till the break of dawn, yo. Piece of daylight soul, I love that song. You know it's been so long since real beats were mainstream. Built a rock creek park for the new scene. DJs, B-boys getting on down. Graffiti on the train lines leaving the town. Rap spitting trash ain't staying around. And sees what's master, the underground sound delivery. So we gas rhymes are getting lost, son. You must be kidding, G. Been around the world with this Canadian crew Dropping tests for everybody And you gotta move your body Fresh and clean, it's never sloppy Tell your mommy, tell your mommy Disconnected playing hockey So it's shocking as we drop Beats from the old school It's never old full Classic material Relevant to now Know the roots and understand Just exactly how Booming jazz, old tracks Soul mode, town stacks Out before the beat trees Reaching new feats The people out their seats Got the rock style On the beat street Hard yeah
special is Memphis Soul Stew. We sell so much of this, people wonder what we put in it. We're going to tell you right now. Give me about a half a teacup of bass. Now I need a pound of fat back drums. Now give me four tablespoons of ballin' Memphis guitars. This gonna taste all right. Now just a little pinch of organ. Now give me a half a pint of horn.
Dr. John, unmistakable that voice. If you did, if you listen to a Dr. John song and you don't know that he's singing, um, you know that voice. Right. That voice is unmistakable. Big Chief, right there. Before that, yeah, a little something, a little, little different there. Yeah, Breakdown Brass is the name of the band. The song is called Nautilus Hijacked. It's a forty-five that came out in two thousand sixteen. Uh, these guys are straight out of Brooklyn, baby, and mm. uh, you tell they it's great. It's called Nautilus Hijacked, and Nautilus. Is a song by Bob James, jazz right. kind of keyboard player. He's the guy that did the uh, the original riff for uh, Peter Piper, Run DMC, you know, ding, 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 mm-hmm. ding, ding, ding. That's a going to Mardi Gras song. And incorporated in that song is the Slick Rick song that you recognized immediately, you know. Yeah, and uh, Bedtime Story. Bedtime Story, right, yeah. He did the job, yeah. money came with ease. Yeah. But one couldn't stop. Yeah, it's like he had a disease. Please. He robbed another and another. And it's just another brother. brother. 
Tried to rub it in. There it is. Before that, greatness personified King Curtis doing Memphis Souls 2, also 45. That was released in 1966. If you want to see a biography of, of, of you know, an artist, a musical artist, a funk, blues, just Wikipedia King Curtis. And just see, he's everybody. He's played with everybody. It's just the, the list of shit this guy's got out mm-hmm. is humongous. Great stuff. Almost all of it is like just a must own. I got a lot of King Curtis laying around. So that was one of those things. You know, one of the neat things is that these guys who have amassed these incredible collections of 45s over the years, they've mm-hmm. now put them onto YouTube channels. And so for me, when I stumble across one of those channels, you know, from one of these guys that's done it, that's like the equivalent of like a car fanatic stumbling across, you know, the, the a barn find. You know, the barn find where you walk in. This guy's had his fucking, guy's had that vet sitting in there for 42 years, you know. It's gathering dust, blah, blah, blah. It's just been sitting in his barn. To me, it's the same kind of thing when I discover one of those. And I came across one mm-hmm. maybe a week or two ago, and it's, you know, that's it. Uh, you know, once I start, I'm there for three hours now. That's it. I'm in. I can't stop. Okay? It's like I had a disease. I had to listen to another and another. <laughs> so, King Curtis, before that, Dajar won a little more funk with uh, Dragonfly Empire on that from 2015. Dajar won. He's a uh, DJ out of uh, France, has been putting together some pretty interesting stuff. So I always enjoy, uh, you know, kind of finding that stuff up from my B-boy you know, uh, breakbeat collections and stuff like that. That was on one of them. I was like, hey, that's pretty you know, that's pretty groovy stuff. And kicking off the set, interesting stuff. Radio Birdman, Smith & Wesson Blues is the name of the song right. from the album Living Eyes. Now, that came, those guys are from Australia. And the album, which was their second, and it was, they only came out, I believe, with, I think they only had two albums. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was originally recorded in 1978 in Wales they were on tour the band Radio Birdman was on tour in 1978 with one of my all-time favorite bands the Flamin' Groovies hey and they were on tour and so they they went into a studio in Wales for like you know 3 4 weeks like you know there was a gap in the tour and they recorded this album Living Eyes well the masters were lost by the okay. time they got back to Australia to like you know to put the album together they had lost the masters from the recording studios. And it wasn't until like a year or two later that somebody found a cassette tape of that original studio time. And they used the cassette tape and they mastered the album from that. So a little bit of a little bit of background on that, a little radio birdman straight out of Australia. Shout out to my man Adam Wilson, my favorite Aussie pal out there. He's in where is he? He's in uh, New Mexico now, bartender way. One of the best bartenders I've ever known. Just top quality. He's just a great bartender, Adam. Ah, I love it. So, you know what it's time for, right? It's time for me I to do. take care of the people who take care of me. You know who I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah, Precision Auto Works, Pompano Beach, Florida. 954-247-9362. I was just there. It was time for me to get my tranny flushed, which I've been told means something different down in Brazil than it does here. Then, of course, I got my fluids changed. Which, of course, I've been told means something different down the Castro district than it does here. So yeah, that was. Did you check your oil too? Because they did, use a dipstick for that. Did, yeah. The dipstick yeah. was in full fucking effect, pal. But uh, that put a couple of new rear tires on that puppy. 
And, uh, you know, this is the thing, man. I love going there. And he's got, you know, people working on cars in there. And they, <laughs> some of the cars that are in there now, the seven, he's got another Chevelle sitting up there. This guy has got Chevelles. For, uh, beautiful work of art. As I've said before, this is the place to go. If you live anywhere in Broward County. All right. As a matter of fact, you live anywhere in America, just ship your car to this guy because I guarantee you're going to get ripped off by somebody else. So whatever it costs to ship it there, you're going to probably wind up paying less than you were. And bonus package, unlike the other people, the job's going to get done right. Okay. I've always told people, and I won't pop the hood on my car unless Dave is standing next to me. Not behind me, mind you. Right. You don't want to pop yeah. your hood with somebody standing behind you. Ooh, I thought it was uh, pop the trunk. Pop the trunk. Now, yeah, I'm now popping the hood, baby. <laughs> I'm popping the hood in the hood. But, you know, it's it's just great to be able to go in there and, you know, when he says, all right, you're good, mm-hmm. I'm good. That's, those, are, those are the magic words for someone like me who knows pretty much nothing about an internal combustion engine. Whereas Dave, on the other hand, the tool and die master. You can go to the SoFloRadio.com website. Click on the box that says Tony C's Groovathon. On my page within the site, you're going to see every show I have ever done. This is now show 67. All right. I know. Got some numbers. You know, I took a look back at the mm-hmm. numbers. I've got celebrate. Even my, my half-brother, Danny, when I told him about this, he was coming back from some convention that he had to go to for, you know, music people. And I told him, I said, you know, I've got two shows now from 2015 that have been downloaded over 1,100 times each. And people mm-hmm. are still downloading yeah. shows I did. He's like, you got to get your own podcast. That's it. He's like, those are those are numbers that you can get your own. Oh, whatever. Because, yeah. well, but, and that may happen in the future. But right now, every single show is available to be listened to or downloaded for free. There's a link for every single show. Above the link for each show, you will see a lineup of all of the songs played on that show. And at the very top is a description of the show written by my man over here. And you will see a link for Precision Auto Works of Pompano Beach, Florida. Click on the link. Takes you right to his webpage. Everything you need to know. It's just off Atlantic and uh, 95. They're doing some construction there. So it used to take less than 60 seconds. But now you got to do kind of a turnaround thing. So you're mm-hmm. looking at probably 90 seconds off the highway. My apologies. But it is... You know, that's where I go. I I can't say enough. And I've had some friends go there. And mm-hmm. I actually pointed this out. A friend of mine. As a matter of fact, Howie. Okay. He had his girlfriend uh, brought her car over there. She mm-hmm. had a little SUV. And I mentioned, you know, that I had gone there. And he said, you know, don't knock this kind of thing. Because finding a really good mechanic that's honest is, you know, he said, that's a rarity. Yeah. And he's like, you know, thank you for turning me on to Dave. He's like, even though it's a bit of a hike. You know, it's a 35-minute drive from where Howie is. You know, he's coming down from over here. Mm-hmm. He's driving up to Pompano. Why? Because it's fucking worth it, man, to get it done right. He's the man. 954-247-9362. Absolutely Groovathon approved. Mention the Groovathon. There is a discount. It is absolutely the place where people who love their cars take their cars. You know what that means? Yeah, it's time for the drive groove. You know, I put together... Unfortunately, we had a rock and roll great uh, passing away, as I mentioned earlier. Greg Allman uh, has uh, passed away, and I have a little Greg Allman story that I will be getting to later. But I thought I'd do uh, kind of uh, two Allman Brothers songs 
one by the Allman Brothers, and one by somebody else, which we're going to kick off the set with. This is Dixie Dregs doing a Jessica Live on the Drive Groove on SoFloRadio.com. <laughs>
timeless stuff right there. I can I can listen to that song pretty much, you know, a couple times a week for the rest of my life and be perfectly happy with it. Almond Brothers, Southbound from Brothers and Sisters. Before that, Megadeth. <laughs> I Ain't Superstitious, the old Howlin' Wolf song from Peace Sells But Who's Buying It. Great version of that, of course, the version everybody knows from uh, the Jeff Beck group from Truth. Some great people on that. You know, if you take a look at the lineup from Truth, it's like... John Paul Jones, Jimmy Page, Nicky Hopkins, Rod Stewart, of course, is singing, mm. you know, that version of it. I was like, yeah, before that, yeah, Jerry Garcia, the way we like him, songs Grateful Dead. <laughs> Jerry Garcia and Howard Wales doing Uncle Martin's from uh, Hooterall, which came out in 1971. Basically, those two guys got together. You know, Howard's the uh, keyboard guy. Jerry Coit, guitar player. So it's pretty cool shit. Before that, one of those random tracks I stumbled across. The Phantom doing Love Me, Love Me, Love Me. It's the only thing a guy put out. His actual name is Jerry Lott. And I, had, uh, I guess he recorded it in 58, released it in 1960, and that was that. <laughs> Never did anything else that I'm aware of. But kicking off the set, one of my favorites, of course, another shredding Steve. Steve Morris, the Dixie Dregs doing Jessica. That is from their live album, California Screamin'. So, Greg Allman passed away. And uh, the Allman Brothers for years had taken over for the Kinks doing uh, a residency, as it were, at the Beacon Theater in New York. It's about 75th Street and Broadway. And um, for years, the Kinks would play every year. They do, you know, half a dozen, 10 shows. And then they stopped doing that. And the Allman Brothers, when they got back together, they did a show, series of shows in 1989 at the Beacon. And then they started doing a couple of shows there, and then they, they took a year or two off. They played one year. They just played Tramps. And then starting at about 1996, they would start their summer tour by doing 10 shows to Beacon every year. you know. And it was – I mean it was interesting for me because – you know, you've got this southern rock band who had basically kind of come to accept the Upper West Side, the New York crowd, as the litmus test. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to go out on tour. Here's what we're doing on tour. we got this lineup. This is the song list for the tour. We're going to come here. We're going to do a whole bunch of shows and nail it down because we know – because, you know, we're New Yorkers. We love that shit. We love getting that taste before anybody else knows how mm-hmm. the fucking sausage – that the sausage was even made. You know, we love that. We absolutely love that stuff. And it was very raw. And so he was a regular. Greg Allman was pretty much a regular on the Upper West Side. He was there for, you know, several weeks every year, Mm -hmm. uh, had a place in New York. And he would uh, show up at the dive bar, which is at 96th in Amsterdam. And, you know, he was there many times. One night I'm sitting, you know, I walk in the bar. There he is scribbling away, Mm -hmm. you know, writing in his little notebook and, uh, you know, and a friend of mine came in. I kind of turned around, talking to my friend. Next thing I know, he's walking behind me, walks out, gets into his white limousine, and goes off. And I, it occurred, you know, I had been out of New York for several years. So it, that was like when it popped in my head. When I saw him there, I was like, oh, shit, Almond Brothers time. It's that. Mm-hmm. That's like, that was the sign that spring is around the corner. Because it was always like the beginning of March. All right. You know? And then they would start their tour in April. So they always played the March date. So I always knew. It was like, oh, Almond Brothers time. So next day, you know, a day or two later, I went out and I got tickets All right. to see the Allman Brothers because I had been offered tickets in 89 when they first came back, but I was too fucked up to go. I screwed that one up. So I went in 96 and I went and I went with a friend of mine who's no longer uh, around, unfortunately, my friend Apollo, but we went to this concert. It was great. They were great. It was everything I wanted it to be. It was not 
a sim a, a they weren't just redoing live at Fillmore East, which is one of the great live albums ever mm-hmm. recorded in Rockets. They were doing new stuff, old stuff. They had, and as I wrote, I what I wrote down, I said they were they. It was perfect timing because at that point they were grizzled but not haggard. <laughs> You know? Wizened, you might yeah. say. But you know, they were they they fall. You know, you could see the map. Seasoned. Their face was mm-hmm. like a map of rock and roll mm-hmm. on it, man. You know, tough as leather, type shit. And it was a fantastic show. And they were there for five, six, seven years. They did that every year, year after year. And when he passed away, I was reminded of the fact that I had a chance to go over and say, "Hey, man, you know, I just want you to know, I really love you," and I didn't do it. Hmm. Several years later, it's uh, maybe a year or two ago, um, I was at one of these rock and roll 80s thingies here, you know, with just a bazillion bands. And one of those, the headline act um, was Paul Rogers. And one of the acts was Winger, and my brother represents Winger. So I had artist passes to the show, which meant I could go anywhere, including backstage, trailers. On, I've got hmm. a picture of me literally standing on stage during the set for Winger. So I could go anywhere. And I'm backstage, and there's Paul Rogers. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't about to blow it this time. And I went right over to him. I said, excuse me, Paul Rogers. Yeah. I just wanted to thank you. I said, because every time I hear the album, Bad Company, or uh, Straight Shooter, okay, one of those classic, you know, just running with the pack, those great, great, albums i said it brings me back to when my cousin first you know was three years older than me first turned me on to bad company and it was during a summer down at the beach you know long beach mm-hmm. Island. and so every time i hear that i immediately go right back to that and that was like i smile right off the bat and i and on every rock and roll classic rock station i've ever listened to okay bad company is often played but never overplayed <laughs> very it's good it's not like yeah. radar love yeah <laughs> No. Okay? Because these guys got a repertoire that Mm. is extensive. So he's often played, but never overplayed. And and when I said, look, I just wanted to thank you. He's like, oh, you know, that's very nice. I said, all right, have a nice day. Whole thing took 30 seconds. And I have felt cooler every day since then as a result of having done that. You know, it was one of those things where I'm, I'm really glad, you know, I'd love to be able to just get that 30 seconds with like just a ton of rock. And go, you know, this particular, you know, I hear this song and it reminds me of this. I just wanted to say thank you. So I had that chance. And when Greg Allman passed away, I was reminded. And I wrote a little piece called The Night I Never Met Greg Allman. And, you know, the funny thing is, is that friends of mine, my friend Sharon, who was a bartender there, she, she then saw that and she wrote her own little, you know, because she had met him. You know, mm-hmm. on a number of occasions, because he would come in and, you know, joke around. You know, he was a pretty easygoing guy. You know, he had kind of moved on. She she remembers making him virgin Bloody Marys. I'm like, what is that, tomato juice with pepper? Yeah. Stalk I, I, of celery? I, I, sure, yeah. A little right. Tabasco? Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. got the kick without the kick. Yeah. I like the <laughs> kick. I like both kicks. I want to let yeah, you know, please. Thank you. So, with that in mind, uh, we're going to get out of here in the last song is Paul Rogers and Bad Company doing Simple Man. And it is just, it's pure slow rock bliss for me uh, to listen to the voice of Paul Rogers, to listen to the voice of Chris Cornell, to listen to the voice 
of Tom Jones after all these. And that was the thing. You know, he Paul Rogers gets on stage and he's every bit the definition of a rock and roll voice as he was 40 years ago. Mm. He sounds just perfect. Just wah, baby. Nothing else needed but that. So we've done it again. 67 in a bag, baby. Yeah, man. A little rainy out there, but that's okay. The groove, groove will get you through the rain. Groove All the time. Gets Every time. I'm going to be coming back again in two weeks. I'm going to try and do the exact same thing again. Just a little bit better. As always, for myself and Gramps Master Flash, the Lost Georgia's master, as always, it is peace and aloha. Good night, Mom. I am just a simple man.
streaming live from the beautiful city of Hollywood, Florida, USA. This is SoFloRadio.com.